rehearsal and they were playing that bumper video. Had a lot of dance moves that were coming out and people had dared me to do that now. (laughs) Not gonna do that. (laughs) Whatever little shred of dignity I might still have left at this age, I don't cash it in by doing stuff like that anymore. Promise you that. Journey, we lead people to radical love and action like Jesus. That's what we're about. That's why we're here. That's what we've been talking about. We believe as, a, as we put our eyes on Jesus and we say we're going to follow him, we're going to actually learn to live the kind of life that he lived, we're going to become more and more like him day by day. And in this series within a series that we've been talking about, we've been talking about generosity because there has never been a more generous life than Jesus. He just modeled generosity. And he has a lot to say about generosity and his scripture has a lot to say about generosity. In our minds, it's a discipleship issue. If we're gonna follow him and follow more in love with him, we need to understand what is it that he has to say about generosity? Last week, I gave a few disclaimers and in case you weren't here last week, I'm gonna share those again because I think they're that important. Because I know when we start to talk about money and resources and generosity and time and energy, all those things in environments like this, people's defenses can go up. I don't wanna talk about money. I don't want you talking about my money. Here's what I want you to hear loud and clear. God does not want your money. God doesn't need your money. He's not struggling with a cash flow problem up in heaven that he needs you to solve for him. But there is something that God desperately wants, and it's you. It's your heart. What the Bible calls your heart. He wants you. He wants all of you. He wants your heart to be captured by him. And he wants you to become like him. And this is why we're going to become like him is because we want to love the things that he loves. We want to care about the things that he cares about. And I said this last week as well too. We are declaring this whole area here and anybody watching online, this is a guilt and shame-free zone. We're not gonna do anything to try to leverage guilt and shame in anybody's life around their finances. Because here's what I see in the life of Jesus. If there was anybody that could have leveraged guilt and shame in the lives of people, it was him. He was perfect. And you know what? He never did it. And so we're not gonna do that either. He didn't leverage guilt and shame, so we aren't either. But you know what he did leverage? He leveraged his love. He leveraged his grace. He leveraged his kindness. But he also leveraged truth. And he leveraged honesty. So we wanna, in the wake of Jesus' life, we wanna talk really truthfully and honestly, but also full of love and grace around this area of finances. How do we invest the generosity that God has given to us. And if I do have an agenda, I'll just share with you what it is so you don't have to wonder. My agenda for everyone in this room is that as a result of being here, it would start a conversation for you. Not a conversation between me and you, but a conversation between you and God. And that we would tangibly, as best we can, we would hold our life, hold our heart, up to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we would ask some real honest questions. God, show me, where is my heart 
as it relates to generosity. Jesus, if you want my heart, where is my heart at as it relates to generosity? And that we would hold up our life and we would ask another real honest question. And it'd be this, what do you want me to do? What is a faith step that you want me to take to become more like you in generosity? Jesus, what is the next step for me? Here's the question that I want you to ponder as we walk through this message today. I want you to ask this question, what is my posture toward the blessings of God in my life? Let me say that again. What is my posture toward the blessings of God in my life? Because the posture that we have toward God is gonna greatly affect how do we live out this life of generosity that Jesus calls us to? I wanna have a couple of visuals here for you to think about different postures that we can have toward the generosity of God. Do we have a posture that's like a container? Meaning that I just want God to pour his blessings into my life for me and for me to use. And I'm going to be really, really grateful when God does put those things in my bucket. I'm going to say, thank you, God. But in my heart, I'm going to think these are for me. These are my blessings. Do you view your posture before God as a container? Or do you view your posture before God as a conduit? Meaning that God's blessings come into our life, but it's not just for us to grab a hold of, but God actually wants to run those blessings through our life, that we experience and enjoy those, but he wants us to use those for the world around us. That we're not just thinking about, how do I get stuff in my bucket, but we're actually thinking about how do I distribute what God has done in and through my life to the world around me? Am I a container or am I a conduit? And am I gonna be a, a pail of God's blessings or am I gonna be a pipeline of God's blessings? God's got an answer for the posture that he wants us to have before him. And early in the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, as he engages with a guy named Abraham, he makes a covenant and a promise with Abraham, and this is what he says to Abraham to help him understand how he wanted to view God's blessing. In his life. He said, Abraham, I am gonna bless you beyond your wildest dreams. You can't even imagine it. I am gonna make your name great. I'm gonna make a great nation out of you. But God made it really, really clear. This is why. Abraham, this is why I'm gonna do it. Because through you and through your family and through your people, all the people of the world are gonna be blessed. God was telling Abraham, you have been blessed in order that you might be a blessing to others. God made it really clear. His posture, the posture he wants us to have is not one of a container it's one of a conduit. How do we use everything that God has given us to bless the world around us? How do we take in God's love that he's poured out into our life and distribute it to the world around us? How do we take in the good news of the gospel, this life-transforming gospel, take that into our life, not just for us to keep in our container, but to be a conduit to the world that everyone would know? And it also includes our resources, our money, our time, our energy. God gives those to us and we're to distribute them to the world around us. 
We're gonna look at a text of scripture from 2 Corinthians. And this is probably the longest section of scripture, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, the longest and most detailed discussion of generosity in all of the Bible. I wish we had time to unpack it all, but we're gonna just grab a few pieces of it here today because I think it's that important. But this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And this is a church that God had blessed. But Paul wanted them to understand what is their posture toward the blessing of God in their life. He wanted them to understand you're not to be a container, you're to be a conduit. Because what the specific thing that Paul was doing is he was collecting an offering from the church in Corinth that was gonna be taken to the poverty-stricken and persecuted church in Jerusalem. Paul was collecting that, but he wanted them to understand the big picture of what God had in mind for them and being blessed. He wanted them to know you are blessed in order to be a blessing. Here's what Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. It's on your notes page if you have it. Paul says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. There it is again. You've gotta hear that. God is so interested in the things that are going on in our heart. He's more interested in our heart than he is our money. And he says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. We can't miss the connection, friends. God is continually bringing together this idea of where our heart is in terms of how it is that we engage with the resources of life. He wants our heart to be in the right place. And he says that there's some ways that I don't want you to give. Paul says, no grudge giving. Meaning no one that says I have to. God doesn't want to try to pry our hands off of our resources and stuff in this life for him. Paul says, no grudge giving. Paul also says, no pressure giving. I don't do it because I feel like I ought to or God's got a a gun to my back and he's giving me a hands up and give me your wallet. God doesn't want that. No pressure giving. No grudge giving, no pressure giving, but there is a way that God wants us to give and it's thanks giving. That out of a grateful, grateful heart for the things that God has done in our life and the blessings that he's given to us, that we would be able to cheerfully And out of love, respond to what it is that he's done for us. And this makes sense to us, doesn't it? Doesn't it make sense to us why God would want us to give in that way? Let's try to bring it to a a personal example or a real world example. Ladies, I want to talk to you just for a second. Let's just imagine that it's Valentine's Day. And your husband or your boyfriend, your significant other, he brings you this amazing bouquet of flowers. And in your heart, you're so warmed. You're so excited about it. Incredibly generous. And you're saying, thank you. Thank you so much for thinking of me. And imagine if this was his response. Well, I didn't really want to do it. But, you know, I mean, it is Valentine's Day. And I am your husband. I am your boyfriend. So I thought, "Ah, I better check that box. 
Imagine what that would do in a woman's heart. I just imagine those flowers just wilting. I also imagine her thinking, there's a place I wanna put these flowers that aren't a vase of water right now. <laughs> Maybe up their nose, I was talking about the nose. But you understand that, it's, it makes sense. The things that are given to you, you want it to be out of a heart of gratitude, out of a heart of love. God is the exact same way. He doesn't want us to give reluctantly, feeling like we have to. He says, I want you to do it because you love me. And because you love me, you actually love the things that I love. And you want to invest your life. You want to invest your money in the things that I care about. We're blessed to be a blessing. But Paul continues in this text of scripture talking about how we move from this idea of being a container of his blessing to a conduit. Here's what he says, continuing in verse eight. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity among you. Paul couldn't say it more clearly, could he? God wants to meet your needs. But he says, above and beyond our needs, there's the opportunity to be generous to the world around you. I want to bless you. But out of the overflow of that, I want you to think about how you can be a blessing to others. Makes perfect sense. But why can that be so difficult to do? I think there's a little bit of a mindset that we've got to have if we're gonna move toward generosity in our life. And the first mindset is this. We've got to have the perspective that God owns it all. God owns everything that I have. If this is, if this is my blessing bucket in life, everything that I have comes from him and belongs to him. But isn't it easy to do, to think as, as God puts those blessings into our life, it's so easy for us to start to think like, these are mine. Thank you, God. I'm so glad that you gave these to me. I'll take it from here. I got it now. We can start to think that they belong to us. And God would say, you need to understand, everything that I put in your bucket belongs to me. Your money, your possessions, your time, your energy, everything. And what the Bible tells us is true is that of all the things that God puts in our bucket, he said, they're not yours, they're mine, but you're my manager of those things. Sometimes the Bible uses the term steward. You're supposed to take care of those for me. You are my manager. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about financial planners or financial managers. If you ever had the opportunity to sit down with a financial manager, one of the first things that they do is they start to ask you about where do you want to end up? What are the things that matter to you? What are the goals that you have for these resources in your life? 
Paint me a picture, give me a vision, and I'm gonna take that vision and I'm gonna do everything I can to help make that come true. They're our financial manager. What God is saying in the scriptures is that we are his financial managers. God has entrusted much to us, much blessing, much resource. But just like a financial planner, we need to be continually in contact with the one who owns the money and asking them, what do you want to do with this? What are your goals? What are the things that matter to you? And then do our level best to make those things happen. We are just simply God's financial managers. And we need to be asking the question, God, what do you want me to do with everything that you've entrusted to me? And you know what? God cares about how we manage his stuff. He's not flippant about it at all. God cares how we manage our wealth that he has given us. Jesus explained it this way, this way in Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 10. He says, if you have been faithful in little things, and when Jesus is talking about little things there, he's talking about our money and our resources. If you have been faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. What are the large ones that he's talking about? He's talking about kingdom things. He's talking about things that matter for eternity. Last week, we talked a little bit about earthly treasures and heavenly treasures. He's talking now about heavenly treasures, those things that last forever. He's talking about people. But he says, but if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Talking about kingdom things, talking about people. And if you are not faithful with others, with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? What God is saying is that how we handle our money is a reflection of what it is that we value. Do we value the things that God values? And he just makes it so clear all throughout scripture. What he values, what matters most to him are people. How do we invest in the lives of people? How do we invest kingdom things into the lives of people? That is the heavenly treasure that he's evaluating. How do we invest in those things? There's a question that I think is also very important for us if we're gonna have the right mindset. The question's this. How much is enough? How much is enough? How much do I need to fill my bucket before I allow the excess to spill over into the lives of people around me? into the things that matter to God. Because this is what he said. I wanna remind you, verse eight. He said, God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Is that really true? Do we really trust God that if I, that if I give away things that he to things that he values. Will my needs be met? Will I be taken care of? How much is enough? How much do I need to fill my bucket? How big do I need my bucket to get before I start thinking about generosity to the world around me? 
It was interesting, I was thinking about a quote. It was kind of famously asked, J.D. Rockefeller was one time asked, and if you know that name, he was the first billionaire in American history. And he was a billionaire in the early 1900s. That's when a billion dollars was a lot. I mean, I don't feel like my billion is going as far as it used to. You're probably feeling the same thing. But he was a billionaire in the early 1900s and he was famously asked, how much is enough? I love his response. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more than I have right now. And we could look at that and just say, dirty, greedy billionaires. They're all the same. But isn't there a little bit of that in all of us? Isn't that kind of how we think, if I could just get a little bit more, if I could just get a little further ahead. And this is the belief that so many people have as it relates to generosity. If I have more, I will give more. If I just had more, I would give more. It's not true. Statistics show over and over and over again that people actually become less sacrificial in their generosity as their wealth grows. As a percentage of their income, it tends to shrink. If you can't do something with a little, you're not gonna do it with a lot. Our generosity can actually shrink as our incomes grow. That's what statistics say over and over and over again. But you can see how it happens. Our income goes up just a little bit. And what we tend to do is like, well, I can get a little bit nicer this or a little bit nicer that. And then if we were to just plot it over time, our income and our spending, they just mirror each other over time. There's never an increased opportunity for generosity unless, unless we get really serious about the question, how much do I need? How much is enough? How much is enough? And wherever I get above and beyond that, I'm just gonna invest it in the things of this world that God finds important. Whenever I do pre-marriage counseling with a couple, I always just ask them about, where, does, where do you want your generosity to be as a couple? And I don't try to tell them what I think it should be, but whatever their goal is, whatever they want it to be, I tell them, start doing that now. Do it now. If you can't do it when you have a little, it'll become increasingly more difficult to do it when you have more. Decide what it is that God wants you to give toward generosity and start now. This next section of the scripture, I love what Paul does here. He helps us understand that this idea of generosity, it is a discipline of worship. It is a discipline of worship of God. I just want you to listen to the language that Paul uses here. I'm gonna read through this section and you're gonna see that giving and receiving, eyes are always focused on God. Not on the giver, not on the receiver. Our eyes are always on God. Gratitude always goes to him. Starting in verse 11, this is what Paul says. He says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. I love that. It doesn't say they're gonna thank you. They said they're, they're gonna thank God because they know where the blessings came from. They know where those blessings came from and they realize the Corinthians are just being a conduit of God's blessings. Their gratitude goes to God. So he continues, so 
two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Again, the focus is all on God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. They know where it's coming from. They know where it's coming from. It is a vertical conversation between God and the Corinthian church. It's not a horizontal conversation between the Corinthian church and the Jerusalem church. It all comes from God. We give thanks to God for the opportunity to give. Friends, it's that vertical conversation. And when we have that vertical conversation, when we feel like God is the one that is moving us toward our generosity, that's what gives us the ability to give with a cheerful heart and to receive with a cheerful heart. And this is what can get sideways, I think, in, in churches. We can sometimes try to make this a horizontal conversation. Like if, if I'm up here thinking about you guys, everyone in here, you're responsible to meet the needs of Journey Church, then things can go haywire because I can think, well, I need to get them to do something. But if my eyes are on God, I say, God, you are the one that is the provider for Journey Church. And what I know to be true is that God will work in the hearts and lives of people. He will stir things in their heart that move people to give toward kingdom things. But if I make it a horizontal conversation, that's when things get sideways in churches. Friends, it is a vertical conversation and we want you to have that conversation with him. Because here's what's true. You're not gonna stand one day before me or before our church or before anyone else that's in here and give an account for how you used your resources. But you will stand before him. And the same is true for me. I'm not gonna stand before you to give an account of how I used my resources, but I will stand before him. He's the one that I have the opportunity to hear from him. Well done, good and faithful servant. He is the one that we stand before. And you know what? We can trust him. We can trust him to do what he said he would do, that he would provide for our needs so that we can give generously to those around us. I started out by talking about the reality that what God cares about is our, is our heart around this. Where is our heart with this? But here's a question. Can we grow our heart? If our heart is not there right now as it relates to generosity, can our heart grow. When I was thinking about this this morning, I don't know why this picture came into my mind, but do you remember the picture of the Grinch who stole Christmas? Remember he had that little shriveled little heart and then things started to happen around him and it just, his heart began to grow and to explode. I think that's a picture of what God wants to have happen with us, that our heart would explode toward generosity. But here's the things that I think need to be true if our heart is gonna explode. And the first is that we need to grow a heart for the harvest. We need to grow a heart for the harvest. Here's what I mean by that. I wanna remind you what Paul said back in verse six. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a 
generous crop. A person who sows generously reaps generously. Here's what I think Paul's saying, and here's where I think we can actually get sideways. Sometimes we think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna sow financial resources, and what I'm gonna reap is financial resources. I don't think that's the harvest that Paul is talking about. And it's not the harvest that mattered to Jesus either. When we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, he's talking about the harvest all the time. And it ain't money. Jesus said things like the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. He's not talking about money. He said the fields are white for harvest. The harvest that he's talking about, he's not talking about money. What is he talking about? I'm gonna say it again. It's, it's the kingdom things. It's things that last forever. It's people. He's saying keep your eyes on the harvest. Invest in people. Invest in the gospel going out to people. Because every person that you lay your eyes on is gonna last forever. They're either gonna spend eternity with God or apart from him. Invest in people coming to know God and having a relationship with him. For Carmen and I, early in our ministry life, we had the opportunity to, to just see generosity up close and personal. We were in a ministry that we had to raise our financial support. There wasn't a, someone out there that was just gonna say, we're gonna pay you to do this. We had to raise our financial support. So we actually had to, we sat down with people and talked with them, told them about how my life was changed as a college student. And I wanna go to the college campus and I wanna share the gospel with people like the gospel was shared with me and I wanna see people's lives changed. And we just had to trust that as we talked to people about the harvest, that God would do something in their heart and move them toward generosity. There's one meeting that we had that I will never, never forget. Went to this couple. It was an elderly couple. He was a retired pastor, an itinerant pastor that just went around kind of filling in as churches needed someone to preach in the pulpit. Retired. We get to the house. It's just this small, little, humble house. I remember as we walked up to the door, I looked at Carmen and I said, there is no way I'm gonna ask these people for money. There's no way. I just don't feel like I could ask them for money. When we got in there and we sat down and we began to talk with this couple. I love it. His name was Bob. <laughs> we began to talk with Bob and his sweet, sweet wife. They were so excited about the thought that because of what we were gonna do, young people were gonna get to hear about Jesus. They were so excited. In fact, he started to tell me all the other things around the world that Crew was doing to reach people for Christ, things that I didn't even know about. He was so excited about the harvest. There was no way that we could have gotten out of that house without them giving to us. They were so excited to give. They were some of the most generous people we ever met in all of our support raising, so generous. What did they have? They had an eye for the harvest. They knew what mattered, people mattered. And it didn't matter the size of their house, they said, whatever we got, we're gonna leverage it. And when I think about that meeting, I pray and I pray regularly, God, I want to be like Bob and Ona. Please, when I'm old, even now, God, would I so value 
the things of the kingdom, that it would just be easy for me to give, even if I don't have it to give, that I would want to give to the things of the kingdom. We need to grow our heart for the harvest. The second thing that Paul says that we need to grow is our heart and understanding of the gospel. Our heart and understanding of the amazing reality of what God has done for us in Christ. The fact that Jesus left heaven, came to this earth, gave his life for us so that we could have his righteousness and spend eternity with him. That's got to move our heart. That's got to get to the deepest places of who we are. This is how the apostle Paul said it as he was encouraging the Corinthians to be generous. He said, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love for us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. And here's the punchline for Paul. He said, this is what's gonna move your heart. This is what's got to make your heart bigger. He says, you know, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor. And by his poverty, he could make you rich. What is Paul doing there? He's taking this beautiful picture of the gospel and he's putting it in economic terms. Jesus, who was rich, he had everything, was willing to become poor and take on our poverty upon himself, our guilt, our sin, our shame, so that we could be made rich for eternity. Our heart has to grow. We have to think about the magnitude of what God did for us. We need to weep when we think about what it is that God did for us. We need to grow in our heart for the harvest, our heart for the gospel. And the last thing that Paul would say is we need to just simply grow in our obedience. We need to just grow in our obedience. We need to ask ourselves, God, what is it that you're asking me to do? What is my faith step? Last week after our sermon, we were talking about treasures in heaven and treasures on earth and kind of the punchline for Jesus was he said, where your treasure is, there your heart is gonna be also. That idea that our money follows what our heart is passionate about. And a friend of mine, he grabbed me afterwards. He's sitting in here right now. He always has good questions. But he said to me, does our money follow our heart or does our heart follow our money? And I thought, great question. Didn't have time to talk about it. But I said, the answer is yes. It's both, absolutely. Our money will move toward the things that we're passionate about. But sometimes for us to grow our heart, we actually just need to obey the things that God is asking us to do. Because our heart is not always pure and perfect. And if we wait till we have the absolute pure heart motivation, this perfect motivation will probably never do anything will probably never respond to God. So what God would ask us to do is like, just take a step of faith. Will you trust me with this? Will you move one step ahead with me in this? 
probably one of the most famous scriptures around generosity in the Old Testament is Malachi 3.10, where God is talking about, trust me, try me on this one. Even if you're a little bit skeptical, even if you don't understand, take a step with me in this. This is what he says. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Then he just throws it out there. He says, try it. Just try it. Just try me on this. Just try. Put me to the test. God is asking us, just take a step. Just take one step with me on this. Maybe you're there today, and as I'm talking about this, those walls went back up, and you're just thinking, I'm so skeptical. It's just another preacher wanting my money. Friends, we don't want your money. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. If there's something resistant in your heart about generosity around here, could I ask you to do this? Would you give your generosity to another church? Just show up there, say, I don't even go here. Here is generous. Here's generosity toward you. You'll probably be the next sermon illustration for that pastor. If you're skeptical, give generously wherever it is that God would ask you. But the question that I wanna ask you is, again, what is the next step? What is the next thing that God is asking you to do? And we gave these out last week and we're handing these out to you again. Here's what we want to do with these. We want this to be a sheet that will help you think about those two questions that we're asking. God, where is my heart in relation to all of this? And God, what is the next step that you'd be asking me to take? Maybe you're at a place where you're just thinking, I've never even thought once about giving to a kingdom thing. Maybe that's your next step, just to try it. Maybe you're at that place where you wanna start getting a little bit more intentional about your giving. Sit down with yourself, with your family, and start to think about what would, a, what would a percentage look like for us to move toward generosity? What would we want to give to move toward greater generosity toward kingdom things? Maybe you're at that place where you're just thinking, I wanna move toward the biblical tithe. I've always wanted to do that. I wanna trust God with 10% of everything that he gives me. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe for you, it's above and beyond that. Because your bucket is so full, it's easy for you to give way more than 10% of your income because your bucket is that full. What would it be for you? It's different for everybody. And friends, I just wanna say out loud, for some of you, it may be nothing. I don't feel like God is asking me to do anything at this point, but would you engage him in the conversation? Would you talk with him about it? And this is what we want you to do as a tangible way to respond to whatever it is that God is doing in your heart. There's a little place at the bottom where you can write down what it is that you sense that God is asking you to do as it relates to generosity. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna have the opportunity to tear these off and we're gonna do this next week as well. The silos as you leave, you can just drop it in there. We're not putting names on these. We're not tracking these in any way, but what we do wanna do is we want to pray over these things. We wanna pray over the tangible things that people are doing, the commitments that they're making toward generosity. We wanna get around this together. Because journey, what we believe to be true is that God doesn't want us to just be a container for his blessings. 
here in the valley and beyond. We believe that he wants us to be a conduit. Not just a pail, we wanna be a pipeline of God's generosity to the world around us. We are blessed in order that we can be a blessing. I wanna ask you to set your things aside and just give you a moment right now to process with the Lord, God, what would my next step be? What would you be asking me to do? Jesus, we want you to grow our heart. We're asking you to do that. We wanna see the harvest the way that you see the harvest. We wanna value the things that you value. Jesus, we want our hearts to be moved by the beautiful picture of the gospel. Moved by the fact that although you were wealthy, you became poor for us. Would the reality of that grow our heart? And Jesus, we just wanna follow you. We wanna become like you by putting our feet right behind you and living the kind of life of generosity that you lived. Thank you that you invite us into that. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you to do whatever you want to do in our hearts and lives. But we just wanna say the answer is yes. Whatever you stir us toward, the answer is yes. And Jesus, it's in your powerful and risen name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.